Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. A little mini series this morning, this Sunday, and I believe next Sunday, um, we're going to start this series called Silent Killers. Silent Killers. Um, I did a Facebook and Instagram poll this week to figure out what this title should be. Uh, One of the options was the silence of the lambs, and some people either loved that or they were like, Pastor, no, no. Some of our music team was like, Pastor, please don't do that. I think they were scared by that. Um, But but, so, so based on this deep revelation of the Lord and a Facebook poll and Instagram poll, I came up with this title, Silent Killers. Um, <laughs> the, the, the content is from God. The titles are not always from God. Uh, okay, amen. Um, so Silent Killers, if you're not sure what a silent killer is, a silent killer is something uh, that doesn't actually visibly show up immediately, but if it's not checked, if it's not handled over time, it will kill you. So many times this is talked about in diseases, a disease that kind of takes someone out really quickly, but actually it's been in their body for a long time. It was just silent. It was dormant. It didn't have a lot of symptoms that showed up until it was too late. Um, And today when we talk about killers or we're talking about death, um, I'm talking about separation. That's all death is. Physical death is separation from our body. Like if you don't know this, you are not actually your body. You are a spirit that lives in your body. And so death is simply the separation of your spirit from your body. Um, spiritual death is, is simply separation from God. So when, when God said to Adam, you shouldn't eat of that tree. If you do, you will die. He eats of it. He doesn't immediately die. Well, actually, he didn't immediately physically die, but spiritually he was separated from God, which led to an eventual physical separation from his body, which is a whole nother sermon series for a whole nother time. Now, today, I, I got I to gotta warn you, um, if you're new here, this is going to be a little different. Uh, most of the time, I'm a pretty happy guy. I'm a pretty passionate guy. Uh, I, I, I believe in the good news of the gospel. Um, today is, is good news, but it's in a different way. How many of you know, if you love someone, you can't just always give them fluff. You can't always give them what they want to hear. You can't always tell them all the good. Sometimes you, if you really love someone, you, you got to get in their, 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 their space a little bit. You got to get in their grill a little bit. You know, um, what, what, what we're doing uh, with our discipleship with the guys, one of the things we tell them up front is, listen, this is not like faith groups are amazing and faith groups are our small groups. But in faith groups, many times it's encouraging, it's teaching, it's coming together it's praying for each other it's you got this you can do this we believe in you we're here with you our discipleship we tell them we're going a level deeper and it's not it's not just that there'll be some of that but it'll be some hey man what are you doing like that's crazy stop that you know you shouldn't be doing like it's in your face it's some tough love it's some truth um this morning if you're new here give us another chance because uh Today is going to be more in your face a little bit. I don't think anybody's going to shout or run or say, amen, praise the Lord, pastor. That's so good. But I love you guys, and that's why I believe the Lord is leading us to hear this today. Everybody good? 
In Acts chapter 5, I got I to set this up for you a little bit. You have, um, if you go back a couple chapters, in Peter and John, uh, they were on their way to a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 3. God uses them to heal this crippled man, and this was like a miraculous healing. And so because of that, there were these great crowds that come to him. And, and Peter looks at this great crowds, and he's like, oh, this is a chance for me to tell them about Jesus. So he preaches to them. The people that were in authority there, the chief priests, the, the guards of the temple, they didn't like this. They didn't like it at all. And so they arrest Peter and John. They put them in prison. And then one night in the prison, uh, that angel comes, or that night in the prison, the angel comes and an angel breaks them out of prison and tells them to go back to the temple and preach. And so uh, the guard, the guards come and uh, they have this meeting like, hey, we got to go get these guys and we got to deal with them. The guards come and they see that the angels had broken them out of prison. And, um, and, and, and obviously they're like, amazed by this. And so uh, uh, we pick up in Acts chapter 5 in verse 24, after they had been broken out of prison, it says, now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words that Peter and John were broken out, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. Now, <laughs> this, is, this is so good. Like the, the, the people that were in charge, they weren't wondering what happened. They were wondering what this would lead to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Now, now, if we actually went back to chapter 4, when they were caught and when they were captured and in prison the first time, these chief priests and these guys, they said, don't you preach or speak in the name of Jesus again. They told them, don't do it again. And right before they had arrested them, we're told that over 5,000 people believed in Jesus. So they got arrested, but before that, God did an amazing work through what they were doing and what they were saying, and they had this warning not to do it again. Well, clearly, they didn't listen. They do it again. They're in prison. Um, and and let, me, let me just say this really quickly. I have so much in, in this service. I have not nearly enough time. They were broken out of prison by an angel. This miraculous thing happened. This very spiritual thing happened, and, and it affected their natural. But it wasn't just for them to be free. They were broken out of prison for a purpose, to go to the temple and to preach and to tell people about Jesus. See, many times we want to sing and we want to pray and we want to shout and we want to praise God for freedom and breaking chains and, 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 and breaking addictions and all these things just simply so that we can live a better life. And yes, God is interested in you living a better life, but that is not the end all be all for this. God breaks us out of prisons for a purpose so that we can go and do what God wants us to do. The reason that God wants you to be healed is not so much about you living your life without pain. It's so that you can every day do what he wants you to do. The reason God wants you blessed and to have finances is not just so that you can have bigger and nicer and better. It's so that you can always have to give. If I was ever going to get an amen this morning, that was it. Thank you, Alex, for leading that charge. <laughs> then the captain with the officers went and brought them, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They had already been warned, they continued on, they were put in jail. And now they are facing another prison sentence. They're facing uh, another beating. They're, they're possibly even facing death. 
And it's easy for us to sit here today and project this level of courage and faith onto them. It's easy for us to sit here and say, well, you should not back down from this. You should continue to do what God has told you to do. This angel shows up, breaks you out of prison. Clearly, you know that you can't let these men stop you, but they are facing some serious pressure. We read this like it's some fairy tale story, but these are real men in real situations facing real circumstances and consequences. This is not, oh, I may offend someone. I may lose this relationship if I speak up, or I may not know everything to say. This is not that. This is, I will get beaten, I will go to prison. I could even die. And they're faced with this pressure. Here in our country, we're not yet faced with this pressure to be silent in this way. But these, these pressures that we do feel of potentially losing a relationship from us speaking out or, or be offending someone by speaking out about our faith or or even the fear of not knowing what to say. Those are still real pressures. They're, they're not at the level that Peter and John were facing here. But those, listen, I, I'm not going to speak for you. For me, I feel those pressures. Even as a pastor, today's message is not for y'all. It's for us. And as I've been studying this and I know I had to preach this, it's been convicting for me. But these are real pressures of someone that I love or someone that I'm in a relationship with or someone, whatever this is, and I need to share my faith, but I'm not sure how they'll receive it. And I don't know how this relationship will turn out. Or, Or I'm not really sure what this person will believe or how they will take this and I may offend them and, and, and I really like to be liked and I don't like to offend. And that's a real pressure that I feel. Or, 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 or listen, I don't know all the right words to say. I may not know. I may not have a response. They may say something really intelligent that I don't know what to or how to respond. Or maybe they may even know something about the Bible that I don't know and they're using it in a way that supposes my faith and I don't know what to say. And that is a real pressure that we face. And in those times, we're being told, just like Peter and John were being told, to not teach in his name, not to speak in his name. Maybe we're not outright told that, but these pressure-filled moments, these circumstances, our own perspectives and thought patterns are telling us, be quiet, be silent. We, we, we're, not just, we're not alone in this. This goes all the way back to Adam. Adam was right there with Eve when she ate, but he was silent. He was there and he was silent. His silence ultimately led to death. Essentially, he was a silent silent killer. Because of his silence, he died, Eve died, now we all die. Abraham, he, he, he was a silent killer a lot. Like, I don't even have time to tell you all the times that Abraham was a silent killer. One of the times that just jumped out at me, though, was when his wife comes to him. God had promised him a kid, and she was having trouble, and, and she comes to him and says, hey, um, why don't you have a kid with uh, Hagar, this other lady? And he, 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 he should have spoken up 
and be like, no. He was a silent killer and you, and you, <laughs> and he thought that was for his own good. But now throughout history, you see this divide between, we don't have time for that. Samson's parents, Samson's parents were silent killers. They had clear instructions of what Samson was not to do. And they sat back and they were silent as Samson continued to disobey God. Jonah tried to be a silent killer. God told him to go to the Ninevites and he was like, nope, I would rather them die. I would rather them just, they're not worthy. I, I would, I'm going to be silent in that case. Peter, he, he was, we talked about this last week or the week before. Peter was a silent killer when he didn't speak up the three times that he denied Jesus. So you're not alone in this pressure. You're not alone in this, in this feeling of, man, if I don't speak up, nothing bad is going to happen. If I don't speak up, every, everything will remain the same. I'll be able to keep the relationship. I'll be able to not offend them. I, I, I won't put myself in a position where I don't know how to respond. I can just continue to talk about sports or continue to laugh or continue to talk about the kids or something else instead of actually sharing my faith. In verse 29, we see how they respond, and many of you all know. It says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God in the face of this pressure. He knew what he was saying. He knew what this meant. He knew that continuing to do this and even to tell them, I am not going to stop. I am not going to be a silent killer. I am going to speak up and I am going to speak out that even he may not even get the chance. They may beat him, imprison him or kill him before he gets the chance to do it again. He could have been a silent killer in this moment and just been quiet and like let them speak. And then, and you know, I, I, got, I can't lie. I've done this before. Like, like I disagree with something or someone's saying or they're telling me something, maybe my wife, maybe somebody else. And I know I'm not going to do it. And I just be quiet. Like, I'm not going to tell you that I'm not going to, like, like, you need to take out the trash. I know I'm not going to take out the trash. Instead of saying, I'm not going to take out the trash, I'm just quiet. But I know I'm not taking out the trash. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all been there. He, he could have just been quiet. And like, okay, don't, don't teach in his name, okay. You know, I'll just be quiet. I know I'm going to do it anyway. But no, he says, we're going to obey God rather than man. We are going to do this. I mean, he is bold with this. He is dangerously bold with this. And he doesn't stop there. <laughs> when you read in verse 30, it says, he begins to preach to him. He says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. These are guys that are about to beat him, imprison him, and maybe kill him. And now he's not only saying, I'm going to keep doing this, but watch. He's like, you killed Jesus. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, clearly they were enraged and wanted to kill him. Because not only is he being disobedient, but he's challenging them. And he's saying, listen, our savior you killed. You are wrong in your beliefs. Not only are you wrong, but you killed God's chosen one. Now, these chief priests, they didn't believe in Jesus, but they believed in God. This was a major insult to them. 
Peter speaks up and he does this boldly and he even does this dangerously. But how does this apply to us? Like, like I said, we're not in the place in our country where, where, where we're facing this. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And verse 14 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Preachers have a responsibility to not just give you the fact that Jesus loves you, but to give you the full counsel of the word. To teach you that Jesus is full of grace, but also full of truth. To teach you that he will forgive you for any sin, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how many times. But make no mistake about it, there is a consequence for sin. To teach you that, yes, God wants you to be full of joy, but that is not your purpose in life. To teach you the things that you want to know about finances so you can have more, but also teach you that it's better to give than to receive. Preachers, pastors, teachers, evangelists, they have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to teach you the full word of God. But when I read my Bible, it says that every believer is a minister of reconciliation. Jesus told all of us to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. He, he, he clearly instructs all of us to share our faith. And so maybe you're like, okay, pastor, you need to be the one to tell them. Because how can they hear unless someone preaches? Listen, I would tell you, no, let's tell them together. You need to tell them. I need to tell them. We all need to tell them. But maybe you're just not at that place. And listen, let me tell you this. If you think that you're not at that place to be able to teach or preach or tell somebody about Jesus, I'm I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying to be difficult. But listen, you are at that place. You absolutely are. If you've given your life to Christ, you are at that place. You may not know anything. You may not know any chapter. You may not know any verse. You may not have any scriptures memorized. But if you've given your life to Christ, you are already at that place. Because in Revelation, it tells us that we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So your story, you may not know anything other than Jesus saved me. God will use that to overcome in somebody else's life. You, may, you, you need to grow and you need to learn. But, but, but no matter where you're at, God will use that through your story or listening to somebody else's story and telling them simply about the blood of the lamb, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, what you believe which saved you, he can use that to preach, to teach, to minister to somebody else. But maybe you're like, listen, and I get it. I was there for a long time. I mean, I mean years. Where I was like, pastor, this is the message that I'm... I'm that's for so-and-so who knows all this and is bold and is naturally outgoing. and all, like, I, my, A friend of mine, um, he came to visit last year. We were out to eat. Uh, we were sitting out um, 
at Salada, I think, and we were sitting outside, and this lady happened to be sitting next to us, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just talking to them, and I, I'm, I'm not in, I mean, I'm just talking, they're my friends, I mean, he's a pastor, and, um, and then all of a sudden, he looks over, and him and his wife kind of look at each other, and then all of a sudden, the next thing I know, this lady's sitting at our table, everybody's crying, they're praying for her, they done led her to the Lord, I mean, like, all this stuff, and I'm sitting there like, And I was, we, we, what was I doing? But even as they started, I was like, man, I had such an, uh, uh, an, an admiration for, for them. Like, it, it felt like it just came naturally to them. But I know him. That is not him. He is not that guy. Y'all know some of those people. Some of those people are in this church. You go anywhere with them, and they get around anybody who might not believe, and they're going to tell them about Jesus. They're going to invite them to church. They're going to, like, they're just that people. I'm not naturally that person. This guy that I was with, he is not that guy. And I'm sitting there watching him do this, and I'm like, man, I've been to this Salada like 100 times. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody at this Salada about Jesus. And his first time... Everybody's at the table crying and praying. And, and I was convicted by that. That's why I said, this is not for y'all. This is for us. And maybe you're just not comfortable about reaching out to people or striking up conversations. or Maybe you're not there yet. If you're not there yet, then let's go back to Romans 10. Bring them to the preacher. Bring them to the church. Bring them to a setting where they can hear God's word preached. I'm not talking about me. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you're going home to another church next week. Bring them to that church. If that's where God has called you, if you, if you get the word from that church, then bring them to that church. I'm not talking about faith for life. I'm talking about kingdom. And if you're not ready to present the gospel, to tell them your story, cool. Bring them with you. Let us do it. Let somebody that is called to do it, if you read the rest of Romans 10, verse 15, it says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. To not preach or teach or make disciples or share your faith or at least invite unbelievers to a setting where they can hear the word, it's likely that nothing will immediately happen if you don't do those things. If if my friend had not reached out to that lady It's likely that we would have had a great lunch and went back to the house and played video games and hung out and did whatever. And we would have felt no immediate effects. But whenever we do that, we're sowing long-term seeds. This can have long-term damage. This can even have eternal damage. And God puts us in these positions. We're delaying God's love being shown in somebody's life or we may be even leaving their eternity up to chance or it's not likely that they'll die today. It's not likely that I'll be the last opportunity that they have to give their lives to Christ or come back to him or follow him. That's not likely. I mean, y'all have been in those situations, right, where you know you were supposed to say something, you didn't say anything, but then you saw the person again. It's not likely that that something drastic is going to happen in that moment. But are we, as followers of Jesus, people who say that we love God, which means that we need and must love other people, are we willing to leave people's eternity to a likely? 
I mean, if we are, we are missing it. If we are, essentially, we are being silent killers. Our silence is separating people from the love of Jesus. Our silence could separate them from an eternity with Jesus. I think we need to step back and evaluate what's important to us, even in our day-to-day. I, I, I got I to move on, but this is, this is so, so important that we recognize these opportunities that God puts in front of us are not to be taken lightly. They are not to value how we feel in that situation above this person's eternity. Because if we ever get to the place where I'm not willing to be uncomfortable, I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to be inconvenienced, I'm not, I'm not willing to put this relationship on the line, and I'm not talking about marriage or kids. I'm talking about a coworker or a friend or a, even a family member. If I'm not willing to do that for the truth of the gospel, my priorities are messed up. And something's happened in our heart that's not right. I've shared this story with you all before, but our very first faith group, our very first small group, there was a guy, and I'll never forget this. There was a guy who was like the manager of this restaurant that we went to and that we met at. And we must have met there five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. I don't know. I mean, it was multiple times. And this guy was always really happy to see us. And he'd come in, and we had our own little room that we reserved, and he'd bring us in there. And, man, he, he, was, he was happy. And one time I didn't see him. And I think Ted was there at that group. We didn't see him. We're like, hey, where's, where's your manager? And they're like, oh, you didn't hear? We're like, no. Last Thursday, he was in a car accident, and he passed away. And here's, I don't know, 10, 15 of us guys, and, and I'm sitting there like, we're in here talking about Jesus. And I don't know what they did or didn't do, but I know I never talked to him about Jesus. I never once. All the times he was like, hey, come on back. We're ready for you, man. We're so glad you're here and spending money. He didn't say that, but that one time that I say, hey, man, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you, do you believe in Jesus? Because we're talking about, do you, do you want to take a break and sit out? Like not one time did I do that. And you know what? The first time, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, I had another chance. I had another chance. And it was unlikely that the tenth time I wouldn't see him again. Now, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to put pressure on you like God needs you and all the weight of people's eternal salvation is on you. It's not. You're not going to save a single person. But God does put us in situations where he needs us to be obedient so that he can save, so that he can speak. And whether it's getting distracted, whether it's worry, whether it's fear, whether it's not wanting to be inconvenienced, whatever it is, those things will pass away. But you and I and those people 
We live eternally, our spirit man, whether in heaven or in hell. I knew there'd be no shouting, there'd be no, but I love you guys. Let me wrap this up. Verse 34, it says, but a Pharisee in the council named, I've been practicing all week. That guy. Man, I know this one. If you're new here, I have these like just blocks with some of these words in the scripture. It's not words, it's names mainly. mainly. This guy, um, that guy with the G. We're going to call him Mr. G. A teacher of the law held in honor by all the people stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. So this is actually the guy who uh, 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 Saul lived with as he was growing up and taught Saul. So this, Mr. G, he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, he's a Pharisee and he's got the Pharisees. They're all enraged. They're ready to kill him. He says, whoa, 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 wait. Put, the, put John and Peter and the, the disciples, put them out. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when he had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Tell them again, don't speak in the name of Jesus. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and, not just in the temple, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. <laughs> they refused to be silent killers. They refused in the face of multiple warnings, in the face of imprisonment, in the face of beating, in the face of imminent death. They refused to be silent and allow people to be separated from God. They refused to be quiet about their faith. They were beaten for it multiple times. And in that they were happy and honored to be beaten. Listen, many of us Christians, we're not willing to be inconvenienced. They were willing to be beaten. Many of us Christians, we're not willing to study and learn and pray and grow so that we can know the answers. They were willing to lay down their lives. M many of us, we're not willing to lose a, a, a friend, a coworker, a family member for the sake of the gospel. But they, they were willing to leave everybody for the opportunity to tell people about Jesus. 
And they did not stop. And they did it even more. They went to every single day. They were teaching in the temple. They were teaching in the houses. They would not stop. They could not stop. As Christians, we stop too easily. We stop too quickly. We stop too often. And I'm not saying y'all, I'm saying us. And many people think Christians stop too easily because we're afraid. Many people think that Christians um, stop too quickly because we don't really believe. Many people think that Christians stop too often because we're selfish. And man, I am just fired up to say that that's not going to be me. And that's not going to be us. That you may step out and you may share your story, you may share something about Jesus, and you may not have the answers. They may win the argument. But you're going to refuse to be a silent killer. You're going to refuse to step back and not tell them. Listen, when I was in seventh grade, I met this girl in middle school. And I, I was, I mean, I was in love. I mean, like, as hard as you can be in love in seventh grade, I was in love. In eighth grade, she finally started dating me, which didn't really mean anything. It meant staying on the phone until you fell asleep. This is about all it really meant in, in my little suburban in eighth grade. I mean, we were in love. In ninth grade, we went to high school, and, man, I was in love with this girl. I'm talking about in love, in love, like, like, like in love. In ninth grade, she met this 11th grade football player. And in ninth grade, and in 10th grade, and in 11th grade, and in 12th grade, she dated this football player. Now, the whole time, she knows she's like, you know, Evan, I don't know if I want to be with him or if I want to be with you. And I mean, I'm just strong. I mean, and I'm in love, love. Like, I'll fight him. Dude went and played at University of Georgia. Like, he was, he was for real football player. He wasn't like... He wasn't like me who put on pads. And, and, and you, you know, God, God will keep you from the counterfeit before, but I was in love. My freshman year of college, I ended up giving my life to Christ. I go back home, and now, you know, when you first give your life to Christ, you want to tell everybody. And, and, I, and I come across her, and I'm like, hey, listen. I got to tell you something, I gave my life to Jesus, and man, you really need to, to give your life to Jesus. And she's like, I've been saved my whole life. We go to church every Sunday. Actually, we go to the same church that you're going to now. I worship this girl. I would have done any, I would have fought a University of Georgia football player for this girl. And in f six years, not one time did she tell me anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything. I would have I got saved just for a better chance with her. <laughs> I would have, I, I, I mean, I was all in. And not one time. When she told me that, I was like, I, I was, I didn't know what to say. 
I had no words. Because had she just, had she said anything, had she just said, we go to church, I would have went to every church in our town. Because I figured that football player wasn't going to be there. And that would have been another chance just to at least have a conversation. Not one, in six years, not one time. And this is not a, a, a bash on her. Like, is there people in your life? They don't know you go to church. They don't know you believe in Jesus. Why not? Why not? Because had I died in 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, or in that summer, it's, it's not, it's not, the weight is not on her. But man, my eternity is in, at stake. Just because she didn't want to offend or she didn't know what to say or like, really? If you really believe what you say you believe, what's more important? Because we will give our best to making money and being a good parent and this and that. And man, praise God for all those things. But what's more important than somebody that you've met or somebody that you love having the opportunity to come to heaven with you? I am so out of time. How do we do this? Really quickly, I can't give you a formula. I can't, there, there's a lot of stuff that can teach you how to be skilled at these things. But, but here's where I believe this starts. We have to shift our thinking from how is this going to affect me to what about them. When you meet that person at HEB that's, that's ringing up your stuff, are you only going to talk to them about what you're purchasing? When you, when you go to eat and you have that waiter, are you only going to talk about your meal? When, when you talk to your neighbors, are you only talking about your yards? Or are we going to be people who say, you know what, I truly, honestly, with everything in me, believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man can come to the Father except by him, that he is the only one who saves us from our sins. And if you don't believe in him, then you will spend an eternity separated from him and I refuse to be a silent killer any longer until we get to that place where these conversations and these moments are not about us but about what we truly believe then we begin to look at people with compassion and we begin to pray for them and we begin to speak and we begin to act but as long as it's about you and as long as it's about me it's never going to be the right time I'm never going to have all the words and I'm never going to want to offend None of us like feeling like somebody doesn't like us. But the moment that we shift and we say, I'm not going to be the reason that they spend an eternity separated from Jesus. Even if I look like a fool. Even if I just simply have to learn this time of what not to do next time. Because here's what's going to happen. This week, you are going to have an opportunity to either be silent or speak up. I know it. Everyone, including me, we are all this week going to have that opportunity. Let's decide right now what we're going to do with that. Let's decide right now. So when that time comes, that pressure won't push us to the place where we become silent. Let's decide right now that no matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm at in my walk with Christ, if I've given my life to him, I have a story to tell. And, and here's the truth. I'm so out of time. I'm like way out of time. We got to stop like right now. 
But here's the truth. Even if you do all the study and all the research, you're not going to have the words. You're not designed to have the words. The words are supposed to come from the Holy Spirit. He gives you the words. You just be ready to speak. Listen, listen, you you may not offend them in this moment, but you'll offend them at some point. Trust me, I know that for a fact. This relationship, there will be a time where both of you are separated from your body. And then what? Eternity is so much greater and so much longer than any time that we have on this earth that we have to keep that in mind. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.